Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. Last week, we discussed part one on the issue of concussions and CTE in the NFL. I offered some suggestions on how the NFL might reduce the number of concussions. Today I will continue with part two. I will begin with a question. Is the NFL season too long? The NFL hierarchy keeps telling us that they are doing all they can to reduce concussions and injuries. But playing 21 games in one season as the Rams and Bengals did last season, hardly seems like an intelligent way to reduce concussions and injuries. From 1947 to 1960, league teams played only 12 regular season games. The NFL expanded to 14 regular season games from 1961 to 1977 the same number played by teams in the old American Football League. From 1978 to 2020, the NFL had a 16-game regular season schedule. Before the 2021 season, the league voted to expand the number of regular season games from 16 to 17 games. What about postseason play? From 1933, through 1965, the NFL had only one postseason game, the NFL Championship. During those 33 years, there were also nine other playoff games, all tiebreaker contests. Then in 1966, the season ended with the usual NFL Championship game and the first Super Bowl. The AFL also had only one postseason game to determine the league champion. That changed in 1966 and 1967 with the Super Bowl. How many teams qualified for postseason play? In 1966, the NFL and AFL had 24 teams combined. Only four teams that 16.7% qualified for postseason play. From 1967 to 1969, the NFL played two divisional playoff games in addition to the NFL championship game and the Super Bowl. Then in 1968, the AFL had one divisional tiebreaker playoff game, the AFL championship game and the Super Bowl. The AFL expanded its postseason in 1969 to include two divisional playoff games, the AFL Championship and the Super Bowl. 
After the leagues merged in 1970, each conference, NFC and AFC, had two divisional playoffs and one championship game. That system continued through the 1977 season. In 1977, 28.6% of the league's teams qualified for the playoffs. And that seemed just right, in my opinion. But then, in 1978, two more postseason games were added, called wildcard games, which increased to 10 the number of playoff teams, 36% of the league teams. That postseason format continued through the 1989 season. From 1990 through 2019, the league added two more teams to the playoff bracket, which brought the playoff total to 43% of the franchises. More expansion came in 2020, when two more teams were added, upping postseason participation to 44%. So let's compare the total number of games played then and now. In 1960, the Green Bay Packers and Philadelphia Eagles went all the way to the NFL Championship game. Philadelphia won, and each team played 13 games that season. By contrast, Participants in this year's championship game, the Rams and Bengals, played 21 games each. That's a huge difference. To its credit, the NFL has decreased the number of preseason games to three from what had been six preseason games decades ago. Still, one could argue that most injuries didn't happen in preseason contests. After Joe Namath severely injured his knee in a 1971 preseason game, most coaches have kept their best players off the field for a good share of preseason games. While I do not doubt that the league is concerned about players' injuries, it also seems that the seemingly endless appetite for NFL football and the revenues that come with it has overreaching implications. It propels an ever-expanding season schedule, including creating more playoff opportunities for more teams, which adds to more teams playing more games. At issue is whether we've seen the last of regular season schedule expansion and growth in the number of playoff competitors. I recently watched the movie Concussion. There is no happy ending to this movie. It's unfortunate to see how many former players are suffering from CTE. While I can certainly sympathize with what they are going through, I don't think we can point all the blame at the NFL hierarchy. The NFL is a money-making machine, of that there is no doubt, and they should be doing all they can to help these players in need. But to say they had full knowledge of the long-term damage a concussion could cause is probably neither true nor fair. There were so many things that we as a society did not know years ago, or at the very least we ignored. If you were a 1970s kid, then you get what I'm saying. Safety was not something we thought about much. 
Football was no different. The head slap, spearing, the clothesline, the chop block, head hunting, cheap shots, and late hits were all commonplace in the NFL. No one knew or thought about the long-term effects or how they might suffer later in life. Can it be proven that head trauma was from football and football alone? It's hard for me to grasp that concept because it was unheard of years ago. I don't recall hearing former players complaining about severe headaches and memory loss. There may have been a few cases, but it was pretty rare. I remember when Roger Staubach and Al Toon retired from the NFL, due in part to concussions. But I never heard about the problem in youth or high school football. What has changed? Maybe it's just that we know so much more today than we did years ago. Some will say the players knew the risks they were taking. But did they really? Some say they were all well compensated for playing, and that's true. It's also true that some players blew their money on poor lifestyle choices and didn't invest wisely or prepare for life after football. But the fact remains that they put their bodies on the line week after week, year after year, not only for the respective teams, but for the league too. You would think that the NFL, a multi-billion dollar operation, would feel some obligation to assist these players, especially those suffering from CTE. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.